Welcome back to Live, Laugh, Luraz, the Pam. You don't know me. I don't work here. I'm doing the intro because no one else wanted to. <laughs> this is going to be my favorite intro of this entire season. <laughs> if you're curious name. about whose voice you're hearing. That is Hey Beacon, right? Did I say everything correctly? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, oh, my yeah. notes disappeared. Um, so quick intro of you or i am obsessed with comedy on instagram mm. and i was scrolling we we abby and i constantly send stuff yeah. back and forth and i was scrolling one night and i came across I'm trying to think which joke of yours oh my god i didn't even know this this is cool i love instagram yeah it's the best um probably one of my gayer jokes i'm just guessing <laughs> why because i because i'm gay i look gay you're just saying um, i'm gay and those are the best ones, the- I think, the internet wants, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all of it. Yes, I think it was probably that one. Um, but yeah, we uh, we thought you were hilarious. And then I was oh. looking for shows nearby to see if you were traveling. And I saw that you do shows that um, raise money for mental health. And I was like, they need to be on our podcast. Heck yeah. Uh, and then I slid into your DMs. And now here we are. Yeah, I think I responded immediately. Like, that sounds cool. <laughs> I think like, okay, <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little intro about yourself after I just said I stalked you on Instagram? Yeah, no, I mean, that's so cool to hear. Um, I, yeah, I'm a comedian in the, in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, born and raised. Um, we're chatting a bit before. I've never really been, been outside the Bay. It's such a cool um, comedy scene. Speaking of the show you mentioned, I feel like this is, this is a place I can do the things I want, like running mm-hmm. like a queer and POC centered comedy show in a plant store that raises money for <laughs> mental health awareness. It's like, that's, that is what it's like here. If oh you think, my gosh. If, I'm so jealous. You think that's what it's like here? It just is. Um, We're taking a trip. Yeah. I, <clears throat> please. Oh my gosh, please. No, I love showing people around the Bay area. Um, it's very, very important to me that people have a good time here. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I, that's actually it. That's actually all there is about me. <laughs> that's it. Nothing. Else? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's the, other things will come out. How long have you been doing comedy? Mm. So, can you hear me when I drink the my liquid? Oh, I no, eat? it's fine. Should I? Okay, you I know. Need to hydrate. Are good. I do. It's better than regular hydration. <laughs> Do you guys do liquid IV podcast ads? Because I just did one. Um, we say a lot of things, and we then we just say we're not sponsored, and yeah. then we tag them in like the show notes. I always write okay. not sponsored by and list whoever we talked about. Please tag liquid IV because I did start drinking it off the Trixie and Katya podcast ads. 100%. Oh, well, there you go. Advertising um, works. Tag them too. Katya's from Boston, and she's nuts. So there's a lot of themes. What was the question? What did you ask me? (laughs) How long have you been doing comedy? Oh, yeah. It's kind of funny when you think about it, because when I started, I was in my my college town. I went to UC Davis. Davis is like maybe 90 miles from here, like right outside Sacramento. And I just decided I was going to do comedy um, and just started throwing shows, not knowing anything, not knowing anyone. Like I did my research. I booked 
way better comedians than I had business Facebook messaging. Um, but then I was doing comedy like once every six to eight weeks. So hard to know if I, if I should count those years. Oh, I don't sure. use any of that material. Yeah. But I would say when I moved back to the Bay, like 2017 is when I started taking it more seriously. Maybe like 27, 2018. Then if you count COVID, what are we talking? Is this five years, five, six years, <laughs> maybe? Yeah. I love yeah. that you're just like, I'm going to do this and made it happen. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It- I, was, I was like, well, no one else can like tell if I'm doing this wrong. You know what I mean? No one, <laughs> no one else is around to watch me fuck this up. And I used to, I thought I was so funny. I, on my flyers, I, um, I, I was making fun of like the comedy flyers I'd seen and I, uh, put like a full body shot of myself and was like in your host me who's like literally a nobody compared to these accomplished uh stand-ups in the bay and then I would as a joke put like and your co-host Amy Schumer and put like a tiny picture of her and people in college don't know they don't know especially freshmen they think like anything's possible so people kind of believed it by accident <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean for that to happen anyway we We'd sell like a hundred tickets in three days, and it was probably just because they wanted entertainment, not because they thought I had you put Louis C.K.'s face on a baby once. This was before everything, but I thought you know his manager would never let him be photoshopped on a baby's body. I thought people would know that, <laughs> but, no. but they didn't. Not on college campus. So that was so. That's how I started comedy. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's honestly badass. <laughs> I wish I had like okay, right. had that much confidence. Yeah, like, yeah. Your origin story is fantastic. My, or- I was just kidding, you know. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna kind of mix in a question. Um, sure. Why can't I read? Um, why did you say yes to being on a mental health podcast? Oh shit! <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that I'm, um, you know. I'm down for anything, um, but I, I do feel like, you know, mental health is something that I'm glad there's a movement around opening up conversations about it. I mean, that's actually my whole life, right? I don't know if I really experienced much of the, the before times. Like in the Bay Area, small talk is like, who's your therapist and what are you on? Um, <laughs> so I don't think it's that. <laughs> I don't think it's like that hard for me to talk about compared to maybe some folks even comedians too i just made this joke last night with someone it's like networking with comedians is just trauma dumping upon first meeting you're just like trading trading and relating i Um, lived in the wrong area clearly we grew up in the wrong place well y'all have each other i think that's great (laughs) just Um, me and you kids why did y'all yeah why did y'all um start a mental health podcast can i ask you questions yeah that's fine this goes two ways yeah (laughs) you own the podcast now you did the intro (laughs) there's an owning um uh i we just always had conversations usually crying um together yeah and working things out and we were like do we think anyone else could benefit from this we were just kind of conceited yeah also I would say that, like, it feels like you live in a vacuum when mm. you have, like, mental health issues. And so, like, I, I was really lucky to have you to talk to about it because I knew you had already experienced it. 
Whereas like, mm. if you hadn't already experienced it and then I like, I don't know how you handled it when you went through it. Cause it feels very much like an isolating experience. So then having a friend and being able to say, is this normal? Like, what am I feeling right now? And have someone sort of like help you walk through, okay, like you're having a panic attack or I think you need to talk to a doctor or like, I think you need to step back and take some time for yourself. It was like, or take your meds or take your meds. Yeah. It was <laughs> honestly, it was really helpful just to have a friend to like bounce things off of and say like, is this real or not? And then we, we would compare like coping mechanisms or medications. Have you ever been on this? And then slowly yeah. you get more comfortable talking about it and you branch out to other friends. And I think by the time that we were really comfortable talking about it and we had talked to other people about it, we were like, wow, this really needs to be a bigger conversation, especially like, I just didn't feel like it was as open or accessible to talk about. And so then when we were like joking, we should start a podcast. I think we said it one time and <laughs> nothing happened. It was like a year later. Yeah, probably a year later. And then you texted me the name of our podcast. I was like, that's it. We're doing it. That's it. Yeah. I think I'd taken an edible that night. <laughs> you texted and, me hi as a kite. And I, you were like, we need titles for our podcast. Ha ha ha. And then I just kept going with like random title after title after title. And then Live, Laugh, Lorazepam just popped out of my brain. Um, <laughs> and you were talking about for me, so God, almost nine years ago. Um, I had wanted to take my own life and then, but what's truly saved me was realizing I wasn't alone and talking to people. So then I haven't shut up. I just <laughs> continuously talk about my mental health journey and am sometimes obnoxious about it, but I just want to make sure people know they're not alone. So I just talk and talk and talk. And, and then of course, like the podcasting aspect of it is neither of us had ever done anything like including mm. audio or voice recording or anything like that. And no. so when we started this, we were just literally rambling at my dining room table. <laughs> and then we put it online and I was like, should people listen to this? Because we are insane. <laughs> it's, it's gotten a little bit more organized with season two. Though we still have uh, sure. what we call mini episodes. Um, and they're every other week, it's an interview and then a mini episode. And the minis are just us sitting at a table bullshitting yeah it's it. ridiculous no i love it um, this honestly sounds space. pretty par for the course in terms of of podcast format they also <laughs> all hate doing intros too like <laughs> they should all hire you to my... what was that they should all hire you to do their intro tell them tell them i'm available <laughs> um no i i totally i feel everything y'all are saying i feel like mental health is this weird it's like we found all these other ways to label Things that are just mental health over the years, mm. like we blame it on all these other things. And it's kind of this like secret key component to almost everything that's wrong um, with the world, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. war, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, you go ahead. I was just going to ask sort of, I mean, you, you said you grew up in a place that was very open and accepting to talking about mental health. What has been your experience dealing with like your own mental health? Yeah, I mean, I'll say um, probably that's relatively speaking. Like, it's easier maybe here and in whatever the furry and queer community in the East Bay <laughs> to be pretty open about about that. But no, I think I um, I waited a long time to pursue anything, whether it was like therapy, medication. I probably tried like nine medications over eight years before finding something that worked for me. Um, but 
I, I always avoided dealing with it. I think my coping mechanism when I was younger was very much like just dissociating and working a lot, um, which is, you know, I look back and I think maybe it was right and fine at the time. It like got me through. Um, it's, ve- but it's very I'm at relatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are doing that without knowing it. I knew I was doing it, but I uh, didn't tell anyone. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think now <laughs> this is just the first time in my life I've, I have been like solidly with one therapist for like two plus years. I've been on the right doses of Lexapro for about the same amount of time. And uh, I think part of when you're in a whatever mental health moment, you can't see past it. You think you're right about how the state of things are and you can't imagine it being different. And especially the last like year and a half, for like eight months I don't know I just I I'm in a reflective state where I can really look back and be like oh damn this is like what everyone said could be possible in terms of how I feel how I operate I don't know having boundaries focusing at work like all these things that I just thought were me my characteristics like who I was um yeah realizing that the shit everyone says is true and you just need to fucking take care <laughs> you just need to take care of your mental health and like be a real person like i go on runs not marathons that's psychotic but like i literally enjoy i enjoy the things that people enjoy about being alive and just who knew doesn't it, it knew? suck when they're right <laughs> like, yeah but isn't it also I'm amazing like, damn, I'm, mm-hmm. like for mm-hmm. me why do you keep... What, what am I doing? I, it's the heating pad oh. thing is cracking me up. You have little toes. I have a sloth. So I... I sorry, side note. Aww. I have this thing called a, oh war, a warmy, and it's a sloth, and you put it in the microwave, and it heats up, and I had given it to Julie to keep her warm, and... Truth, I'm dying. My cramps are killing me, it's, so... It's little feet are, like, oh facing God. me. <laughs> it's really... No, cute. that is distracting. That's so cute. So I just cute. keep looking at it. <laughs> she just keeps staring at me, and oh it's freaking God. me out. Sorry. <laughs> What were you saying? Um, I was going back to uh, how amazing it feels, though, to be like, despite the fact they're right, but feeling alive and being happy to be alive Mm. and enjoying the little things. I so I've been in a good spot for a while now, but I think it was last summer. The sky was just so beautiful and I was able to enjoy it. I started (laughs) crying, bawling my eyes out at just the sky because I was happy. No, for real. I had this joke. Damn, I actually forgot about this. I should do this. I should post it. I had this joke about um, going through like a breakup and it being my first medicated breakup and how different that was. Mm. Um, And like how I think the jokes I made are like I didn't get rid of the plates in my house because my partner had eaten there before. But then something that I said, which I still feel sometimes is like, now I just feel basic. Like, at night, I just sleep. During the day, I just do my job. Like, I've never done any of this before. And now I'm afraid I'm boring. <laughs> Stability is so lame. Yeah. No, it's, like, really embarrassing to be well. <laughs> I used to be so interesting. I can <laughs> tell you from boring. the short time we've talked to you, you're interesting. You're not boring. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, I'm still on a journey. I'm All still right. healing. <laughs> Right? Like it's a constant journey. So you can never be boring because the journey never ends. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. No, you're good. I hate reading off questions. Um, do you think your job um, 
kind of works as a coping mechanism um, for anything. You <clears throat> oh, are we calling? Are we calling stand up my job? Oh That's yeah, so sorry. Cool. It, yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, you know, my therapist has told me not to over intellectualize <laughs> why I do stand up comedy, but I think about it constantly. Um, I. I think it works as a coping mechanism and is also a way that I have turned <laughs> the skills that I had to use for survival into something else. Um, so I'll, I'll drop this now. When I was younger, I had like a lot of um, housing insecurity, which meant I was often crashing at other people's houses. And of course, I like didn't know I was doing this at the time, but it's so obvious now when I look back and I realize that I tried to ease my own fear of being a burden by being like, I'm just one of the adults and like um, <laughs> trying to be friends with the parents. Um, and so I very much, I think I realized I could get through to adults and like feel smart or feel valued by like making them laugh. Cause it meant that I was like, you know, observant and maybe like seeing things that kids weren't seeing, but I saw the same things adults did. Um, and it sort of was a way just to, yeah, feel like I wasn't like another kid to feed or something, but I was there to help, help the cult, like the culture of the home. Um, I was a culture ad. <laughs> He's like a corporate. You, you brought CEO. entertainment <laughs> to their door. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it, I mean, it sounds kind of um, scary and manipulative when you think of it that way a little bit, but it was, it was a way for me to, um, yeah, I think feel like I was offering something, getting access to people, um, especially people who were folks I had just met, didn't owe me anything, but were doing me a solid. And and so when you think about like what stand up requires, it's very similar. Like every crowd is different. Some comic, I don't know who it is. Someone said like stand up is like playing a new instrument every single night, and you have to learn the instrument live and in front of everybody. Uh, you can't practice in private. Mm. There's no, it's not like a guitar um, or something. Like you just need the people there and you need to fuck up in front of everyone. Like they're giving you that live feedback. So it's very much that scale of like, yeah, read, reading the room, finding a way to connect with people, finding a way to provide something up front and making them um, listen to you and not be mad that you're there. Yeah. I was so stand up's a symptom, if anything. <laughs> Wait, so I, I want to back up though to the beginning where you said, Are we calling stand up my job? What would you call stand up if it's not, you know, your occupation? Yeah, I mean, in, in the Bay, I think every stand up has a day job um, or a couple. So, yeah, and I, I happen to have a really, in case they're listening, I love my day job. I'm so grateful to be there. My boss is so cool. Um, she is. She actually really is. Like, we have an inappropriate relationship. She loves me too much. She kisses me on the head, but I like it. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Um, but <laughs> um, I would consider stand-up, like, fully a second career. I would. Like, at night, it is what I'm doing. Probably, I don't know, two to four hours. And I, I travel for it. I have similar goals. Like I try to professionally develop in all these ways. Um, yeah, sure. Let's call it my, my second career. I like and it. then what I hope to make my full-time career eventually. I think you can do it. 
Hell, you, Thank you. your story from starting in college, you, you fucking made it. You've put on shows. You're, yeah. You just keep doing it. Can you tell the TV networks that I would like to write? Tell them that. Um, <laughs> we'll pass that yeah, to all I know of my, all of uh, Thank you. Yeah, all my contacts that I have. Thank you. 100%. Hey, Netflix, are you listening? <laughs> tell them. Not sponsored by, but. But Netflix. Uh-huh. 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 Um, do, well, this is just still on the same wavelength. Do you enjoy, uh, it, Jesus, I can't fucking speak. <laughs> Speaking's overrated. It is. Oh, um, this is a story for off this mic. I will. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Is that what you were trying to say? That was what I was trying to say when my brain works. Go for it. Okay. So do you find making jokes about your own life or like personal situations you've gone through helpful to sort of like process? That's so funny. Yeah. So I think... I think as a comedy culture, we're past this, but there was, there's a common sentiment or there was maybe when I was first starting where comedians were almost afraid to go to therapy because they thought it would make them less funny. And what I quickly uh, realized as in like, Oh, I don't want to torture an artist. I know my, isn't that so annoying? And what I realized is like, well, the thing that happened to you that made you funny, it already happened to you. Like this, the skill, that sharpness you have is not, that's not what's dulled away. Um, and I found that to be true when I have this joke. I, I actually just posted it last week, but it only even scratches the surface, but it's about my mom, um, who's someone like I don't have a relationship with, haven't talked to in years, but a detail about <laughs> when we were in each other's lives for a while that she took me to Burning Man as a child <laughs> and <laughs> more than once. Um, <laughs> and I could not talk about that before I had been in therapy for a little while. Like I couldn't even acknowledge like, I, yeah, I don't have contact with my family and I never wanted to name that even in front of people I was close with and mm-hmm. definitely not on stage. Um, and something about, yeah, going to therapy. I was doing a lot. I was doing EMDR. I was doing a bunch of stuff. Suddenly this joke just like, like I've always known that my mom is funny. Like she's a terrible character and so easy to make fun of. Um, but I, I just wasn't ready till I was, you know. Mm-hmm. And even then, even with um, kind of like gender stuff, I also, I had to talk about it in therapy before I could do a joke about it. And so, again, maybe a symptom. Comedy is a symptom of therapy, too. Uh, it's a back and forth, right? I think it's it's a way to maybe start touching on things in, in a more palatable, like, easier to, to talk about way. Um, but I also think that I couldn't, some of these things couldn't be unlocked for me to even feel comfortable talking about in front of a room full of strangers if I wasn't in therapy. But I basically came out on stage. Did I you? didn't mean to. That's just how it happened. Yeah, basically, I just like had like three jokes that I was trying, and then slowly, <laughs> slowly over the course of a few weeks, it would just turn into like me saying hi to everyone who's known me for years, and then go out do my jokes, and then I come off stage, and they're like, "I'm so sorry if I misgendered you when you came in here. I didn't know. <laughs> like it's not, it's not your fault. I just told you, um, so we're good." You're like, it's easier to tell you on stage. Again, just and I never would have thought that way, I think, before. But here here I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's, like, therapy, for me, it doesn't solve any problems. It just helps me 
understand why it's a problem for me or why I'm upset by something. And so like, it sounds like you had to like work through it before you could joke about it or share it with other people. Like if you didn't fully understand it, how are you supposed to explain it to someone else? Yeah. And then I do tell my therapist my jokes sometimes, especially on subjects like that. And it is kind of shocking because suddenly when that's your audience, you do realize how unwell um, what you're saying really is. <laughs> but oh, she likes it. <laughs> the other day, <laughs> the other day, I was actually, <laughs> I said something that, like, I make her laugh when she doesn't want to all the time, which is really, that makes me Isn't feel that the really goal? Cool. Yeah. Right? Isn't I, that a I goal yes. therapy? Set that as okay. a goal. It's so yes. bad. <laughs> Like, I make her laugh at the most horrible shit, <laughs> and she said, like, where she's like, I feel like I'm I'm not a good professional, because this is not funny. And the other day, she's like, we need a word for your humor that's, like, umami, but, like, for the sense of humor that's, like, funny, not funny, they're like, why is my body laughing at something that makes me want to cry? <laughs> Honestly, the best compliment, <laughs> the best diagnosis I've ever fucking heard. I love that. Well, I think sometimes in therapy too, I'll make some, I'll make like a dark humor joke, and mm-hmm. we'll both laugh because I'll be laughing at myself, yeah. and then afterwards oh, yeah. she'll be like, "Okay, but let's also return to how you just spoke about yourself." <laughs> and she'll, like we I have our that. moment, we laugh, and then she's like, okay, therapist hat back on. Um, you just yeah. said some terrible things about yourself, so let's unpack that. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, no, I, oh, wait, okay. this is therapy. I'm Shit. supposed to work through things. <laughs> um, I think it's badass that you were able to discuss your gender identity on stage, and like that's how you were able to come out to people and just be like, yep, this is me. Isn't that it's like a TV show about a comedian where it's like, oh my god, that's their element. That's like where they feel the most at home. Like I see the metaphor. I see the corny (laughs) metaphor for sure. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, it's cool. Makes me feel strong or something. It should. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's hard. Um, I mean, when (laughs) I was in high school and I when I was coming, I was gay. I flipping after I started telling people I just got super loud about it and just was like letting the whole school know I was it was like I made the school my stage I was like everyone just needs to know I was like so no one talks shit I'm just like this is me well I feel like that's perfect like we have social media is like so prevalent in our lives I think there's like a whole bunch of people that use social media the same way as like a stage I I never Right. I never did that. Like, again, people come up to me and be like, I'm so sorry if I, like, I didn't know. And I'm like, it's okay. I didn't make a post about it. Like, that's literally what I had to tell me. Like, don't worry. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. Cause the algorithm would have um, pumped that up. But yeah. yeah, I never quite did that until maybe I, I posted one of those jokes, but that's not even why I posted it. You know, it just ended up serving that way. Anyway, it's quality content. Thanks. Um. Thanks. So you've you've mentioned a few like coping mechanisms such as uh, therapy and sort of like working things out on your own. What else do you do to cope with like your own mental health? <laughs> yeah, um, there's, no, there's no there's no right answer to this. You can it can be yeah, whatever works for I have you. A bunch of, I have a bunch of right answers actually. Um, no, I think I truly believe TV is healing. Um, <laughs> and I think we weirdly, we weirdly grew up with like very anti TV rhetoric growing up. Yes. Right? Like it rocked your brain or whatever the fuck. And I was always like, well, what's the difference between like a live 
play. Like my lizard brain does not understand the difference. I think you're lying. Um, I love and let's not comparison. pretend I wasn't like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, shut up. Um, yeah, I, I, of course there's different quality of content of all kinds, but um, I think after the pandemic, I, you know, so I, I was working at a nonprofit at the time um it was this in in prison like rehabilitation program like it was vocational but mental health was a huge kind of component that we talked about and the guys would all I, it was i mostly worked at the, the men's facility nearby san quentin state prison but we had like all sorts of folks we were in women's facilities and kids jails too because those exist um juvenile facilities mm-hmm. uh and mental health was, was always something that they were working on outside the classroom and then it was again the culture the culture at San Quentin was very open about mental health, the group therapy typically, and, and things like that. Um, holy shit, why was, my, why was I bringing this up? You asked me about... Oh, we were talking about TV. Okay, <laughs> I just remember... <laughs> I probably have ADHD, too, have not addressed it. Um, I was talking with my program director at the time. You know, she's committed her life to abolition and no, knows that I had done comedy was interested in comedy and she kind of just like we had this talk right after maybe the first five six weeks of the pandemic when we were all really truly inside and she was like you know what well not to brag but she was like i just think you're a star and she was like i really think like tv has been what's helped me through this hard time and said the phrase now more than ever as we all were then um you know it's really really important to have entertainment to cope with life and the realities of what we're all dealing with and that honestly struck me I haven't even told her this I should tell her but it struck me so much because I was thinking about this person whose job is so heavy Mm. and we're you know a third of our students inside the facility had COVID and there was nothing we could do about it the state wasn't providing PPE technically they were violating social distancing orders because cells don't provide more than six feet between sleeping people, et cetera. So to, and, and knowing that the guys inside the students, I should say, they were also coping by watching TV. They do anyway. That's a large part of being incarcerated. Um, a large part of your connection to the outside world, connection to other people. I talk about like the bachelor and shit with some of them. Like it's something <laughs> we can share with each other. Cause we, we, TV was one thing we both did have access to. Not like Netflix or streaming, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think maybe this is me just saying it because I just love TV and I have had to cope with a lot. But I really think TV is important um, and uniting. I don't watch sports, but I feel like talking about TV shows sort of bonds you with strangers the same way, right? It's reference points. You can build community around it. I'm like six people over the past 12 hours to watch Back in the Groove because I was posting about it. Is that the reality show um, you're talking about? Instagram. Yes, and it is incredible. Back in back it's in the group. What what is it? Okay, it's like Fuckboy Island, but with forty year olds. Wait, so four, like, 40 or four? Forty. <laughs> it's like what? They're forty one, forty two, and forty three, and all the men are in their twenties. It's so I sick. love it. She's gonna watch this entire <laughs> series tonight. It, immediately. It's it's only eight episodes, which is not enough. And the editing, they're so smart. They know their audience is smart. They make, like, make references to the drone shots. You, you'll see. You'll see. Wait, what, what streaming um, platform? How do I watch this? It, it's a Hulu original. Oh, okay. Okay. I got Hulu. Let's do that. 
Mm-hmm. I had my friend's <laughs> classmates' moms. So, damn, <laughs> me too. Some connections to Hulu. Yeah, yeah they don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch it at Chris's house or watch an episode here. I'm puppy sitting. Oh hell yeah! yeah. Use that Roku. I'm using yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I use it at I use it at my house too. I just have their login. I just steal all their logins. Yeah, well, don't, that's what don't family, shut me that's off. What family does. Yeah, true. Yeah. I watch their dog. They and provide. Fam. What was that? I got. I have most of my passwords from just asking for them on Instagram stories. To be honest, no way. And like really? a guy named. Yeah, and then like a guy named Brandon is like, "Here's my mom's Comcast." Stop! That's so funny. I just have to be honest about that. I haven't told anyone. But I decided now is the time. <laughs> I think that's so. Funny. I feel. I feel like you. That means you're a celebrity. Like mm-hmm. that's it. That's that's how I'm you down. know you've made it. <laughs> I feel like an influencer with how many people I've gotten to watch this show in the past twenty three hours. I've influenced. Like Hulu is wondering why there's a spike in engagement in this. Well, old now show they now. know. We're gonna tag them, and yeah. uh, now they'll know it's because of you. Please let them know. They're gonna have a second season like because of you. They need it. Oh my god, we we need it. The show's so slept on. It's not okay. Wait, is it new or really slept on? Like, has it been a while? It started in December and I was like trying to get people to watch it with me for months and everyone flaked and I was like, I need, I need this for my health. And I just started watching it yesterday. This one over here loves the reality shows. Oh yeah. No, this is, this is going on the top of my list. I've been binge watching SVU Law and Order. And let me just tell you, that's not very light material, but I also binge listen to like true crime. So something's definitely already wrong with me, but... (laughs) No, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, sometimes you just want your brain to be like trauma suit and just really experience it. Just really, immer- it's immersion therapy. I also think it's preparation, right? You want to know mm-hmm. what's possible so that you know how to respond. That and I really also, think that's what the I, I love being the, like, the good guys and fixing a problem. And so, like, if Mm. the true crime is, like, explaining what happened to this victim and, like, how we solved it and, like, got their family justice, you know, like, that to me, like, it, there's something about that that goes right into my, like, my need, my id. (laughs) I want to go to actually one of your jokes. You were talking about gender Uh identity and then how you're less afraid of being serial killed. (laughs) (laughs) And I watched that and died. I was like, that's, that's hilarious. Oh my God. Okay. This joke, I, I have a lot of anxiety about. <laughs> oh, sorry. Constantly. No, no. I'm glad you like it. So sometimes when you come up with a joke, you don't even know what it means. Um, <laughs> I think that that joke for me, I kind of love it because uh, I think it represents kind of my humor really well is it's just kind of like I'm just saying something really wrong on purpose um but I I think the main like what what drove that joke for me is highlighting how like you know only a white female usually like thin slash blonde victims are okay okay if this hits great I'm thinking what you're saying um, yeah they're they're centered the only ones that get attention and it's kind of joking that um you know, if if one, if a serial killer respected my pronouns, they wouldn't want to kill me anymore. Like, that's just crazy. Um, 
but too, it does. I mean, it does highlight that often a lot of victims, um, I don't have stats, but a lot of victims of these unreported or unpublicized cases are members of the queer community. Mm -hmm. And like, that's actually the larger demographic, though that's not the story that like TBS would have you or what's the one Hallmark Channel, whatever, whatever the murder movies are on. Lifetime. And I have a lot of yeah, I, Lifetime. That's the no, thank you. That is the tag I make sometimes. It's not in, in the, the clip I posted, but I, I will say a joke like Lifetime wouldn't even make a movie about me anymore. Um, because, yeah, that's that's the facts. It's so I, I think that the jokes sort of spotlight that. <laughs> no, I, I totally get what you mean, though. But I got it from okay. like yeah. listening to it. I Okay. Like it's hilarious, but also like I know where you're like well, what you're getting at. I feel like that's the best cool. part of like yeah. a joke like that is like you cringe, but you're laughing. You're like, oh my god, oh, <laughs> but I can't help but laugh to it because you're so right. Like the media does not <laughs> highlight anyone who doesn't look like white and particularly feminine and usually young and blonde and like everything else kind of gets lower priority. And so like. It's a yeah. serious thing, but you're you're like bringing attention to it in a like a very humorous way. And I think like I have to acknowledge that I could be perceived that way. I often move through the world per- perceived as like falling in those categories. And so again, like naming it as a technicality, I think again the fact that a serial killer would would care about that. Um, I'm just trying to sort of like destroy what the stereotype is, mm. like destroy mm-hmm. what the cliche I, you know, when I first wrote the joke, I wrote prime demographic and I'm like, no, cause that's not true. And that's not what I'm saying. It's the cliche demographic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, shit, I had something else to say about it. We're talking about, Oh, something that I also added later. I think this is in the online version is I then pretend I'm going to cancel the serial killer. Um, for not for trying to kill me, but for misgendering me, <laughs> and then act as if like that's, what, <laughs> and I was like, you could lose your job as if like cancel culture is the bigger threat. Yeah, then, um, you know, because dying. <laughs> than the actual real threat of um, yeah, marginalized people getting murdered all the time. So it's dumb. Oh, it's actually really dumb if you think about it. I will say I've, I've hesitated about that joke kind of since Dahmer came out the show. Mm. I didn't watch it. I can't. I watch have. It. It's too dark. You don't. Oh, uh, I didn't finish it. It's very heartbreaking because they based um, the characters who were victims off real people, like Oof. their names and their likeness, and it's really. It's yeah, I a heard lot the families were pissed. About. I would be pissed. Yeah, I would be pissed. Um, there's something. Yeah, but it, I about these like psychological thrillers that have come out come out in like the last five years that I'd say that are I can't watch a lot of them they're too real there's something about like season one or two of SVU which was like put out in 2000 or 2001 and there's something about those that I the way drama is portrayed is different than the way we do it now which is like in the head like people put you right in the serial killer's head and I can't handle that it's a little too real (laughs) I think that's such a healthy boundary yeah I was like I gotta have a line of like how much murder and death I I consume but sorry I I, I interrupted you you were saying you're you hesitate with this joke after Dahmer came out 
just because I, I wondered, and I haven't really noticed a different reaction or anything, but it's just something I've, I've been thinking about. I think with, with Dahmer, the show, like I didn't know that much about, I'd heard of him. I, I, for instance, didn't even realize the pattern in his victims. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize he targeted black gay men. I just didn't know that. Um, it just sort of, I think, put into the ether, the reminder of, of what I was just talking about, like the largest victims of, or the largest proportion of a demographic of murder victims, especially of serial killers mm -hmm. and like sexual crimes is marginalized queer people of color. So I don't know. I, I've wondered sometimes if I, <laughs> if the joke isn't as like random as it used to be when, when now because of that Netflix show, it, it is like put back into the ether for whatever our, our generation. Um, but you know, things to culture's always changing. Comedy's always like kind of responding to it. Um, keeping up keeping up with the well, time I was also gonna ask I mean when Dahmer came out I feel like there were more serial killer jokes that I was seeing on mm -hmm. social media or hearing about or like comments people were making in shows or just in general and I I, I kind of wonder when you're creating content like are you taking into consideration like what's popular right now might resonate with some people but might also be overused like with across like the industry is that something you think about yeah it's so funny you say that because i i have an example for this exact topic i've heard like four people from different cities four comedians make some joke about how jeffrey dahmer like helped improve our carbon footprint as the species Stop. or like any murderer what? So many people have like made that connection. They're like, why would you be mad at Jeffrey Dahmer or any serial killer um, when like people are ruining the planet? LOL, LOL, LOL. And oh, it's not, that's... it's obviously not, it's missing everything important. <laughs> yeah. I know. But then the fact that four dumb men could think of that also means it's not really like a valuable idea. So anyway, if you have a joke, <laughs> sorry. Um, we don't like it, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's overused. No, so it's Next. funny. Yeah. And you sometimes you don't know. I think about this more because I'm, I'm a contributor for a reductress. Mm. Um, oh, I love reductress. Like, I do too. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, like the onion, but mocking how the media speaks to women and femmes um, for the most part. And that's more when I'm sort of like reading headlines or even looking at like the top 10 in Netflix. That's where I'll kind of get ideas just because that's what they, they want. They try to post more mm -hmm. topical relevant headlines here and there. Um, and sometimes I am writing something and I'm like, this was so easy to think of. Let me Google it. And there's like 18 tweets that are my exact idea. Yeah. Um, and if even, I did like the writer's retreat this year that the founder ran and they even said, they're like, I know sometimes you might, it might seem like you have a really good idea and it probably is a good idea, but we just have like many versions or we found it on Twitter. And so there's no reason for us to publish it. It's funny. Um, it makes me think yeah. of during 2020, like when we were in lockdown, but they were still doing, or when they opened things up and started doing comedy again, everything, mm -hmm. like at least every set I was watching had like a political comment or had something about like the debate and like, not that I, and I, I yeah. love like, political jokes but it was kind of interesting it was almost like a, there was like a recipe it was like they entered with something they made a political joke like in the beginning to let you know like where they stood and then like sure. slid into another angle and it happened over and over and over and I was like interesting like I mean clearly there's trends but I wonder yeah. like 
if you're trying to break into something, like, do you either go with the flow or do you try to break the mold? I can't tell you. That's another good example. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I heard a comedian go up on stage and take off their mask and be like, now I feel like a Republican, like every other comic <laughs> yeah. made that. And it's funny. I'm not saying the quality of the ideas is bad, but it's just like, it's, it's funny how we're all so, I don't know, trained, like we're so trained on these responses just yeah. by the nature of being on the internet and then watching that surface like in the same situation over and over again. It just kind of proves that we're all whatever. Well, I had, I had a friend, same news I have a friend who sends me a lot of like memes online and <laughs> sometimes it's um, not me. It's, I'm sorry. It's not you actually. <laughs> I have a friend who sends me a lot of stuff online. And one, one of her comments recently was like a very obscure reaction to something that we clearly would have experienced in our childhood because of our age demographic. And her comment underneath it was like, it's at times like this when I realize I've never had an original thought in my entire life <laughs> because she was like, I, I think, Oh no, I'm unique. And then you read something and you're like, it's like they took the words out of my head to such a like minute yep. degree that it starts to get weird. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're we're right. all you're just taking we're pieces. Products. We're all yeah. just products. <laughs> sorry. Distracted by the husband walking by. Yeah. Sorry. My husband's leaving. Bye Phil. Bye, Phil. He has his, have a good think, day at work. <laughs> he's going for a run. In the rain. I, I don't in the think, cold rain. Oh, wow. I think he has his headphones wow. on because he can't hear us. He's trying to be he's very quiet. in the podcast. <laughs> yes. He does. He's one of our we biggest a, listeners. We love, a, we love a quiet man. <laughs> Green. Everyone says hello. Hi. He's, he's waving. waving. Oh, I see. You could come behind. I saw. I can see in the reflection. Not oh, to be oh, a murderer, but he's he'll, he's yeah. coming around. Come stand between us. Yeah. And wave. Hello. Do you go Hello. to therapy? <laughs> do you go to therapy? I do not. I can't actually hear anything. Uh oh. <laughs> we have headphones right. on. Oh my god. We have so many. We have so many guest hosts on the podcast. Okay, where <laughs> this is our podcast. Can you say "Live, Laugh, Lorazepam" really quick? Live, laugh, Lorazepam. <laughs> That was perfect. That was perfect. First try. Oh, no, wait. You're supposed to say welcome back. Wait. Say welcome back to live, laugh, lorazepam. Welcome back to live, laugh, Go. lorazepam. Perfect. We got it. We got this shot. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You may go on your run now. <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay. So no, you too. Are so hot. <laughs> you know, it's really funny, actually. We've been doing this for almost, what, a, year. almost a year now, and we're on season two, cool. and... Um, my husband, Philip, is like a big supporter and he's always very quiet when we have to record. And he also <laughs> set up like our our um, Excel document that has like all of our tracking information for us. Aww. And that's the first time his voice has ever been on the podcast. It is. <laughs> oh my gosh. He said minus a sneeze every once in a while. <laughs> or a beer crack. Or a, that's yeah. not voice. That's amazing. Wow, incredible. That's so cool he does your admin for you. That's uh, also reversing the gender norms. We right? love it. He, if we, we, it. we were doing it all on one Google note, not Google note, <laughs> Apple note, whatever they are. And he saw oh, that and he yeah. was like, fuck no. He, li he literally looked at me and was like, wait, so it's just a shared <laughs> note in your phone? And I was like, yeah. And then you just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll to get to the, where you need to be. And he was, he was like, absolutely not. I'm fixing this for you. I think all great ideas start in an Apple note, to right. be fair. Yes. Exactly. It's a natural first step. 
and then the natural graduation. But um, we love and respect Phil's work. And now we have like love formulas it. in an Excel doc that I don't know how to use. We were afraid we were going to oh, mess yeah. it up. We were like, what do we do? I was like, okay, what if I break it? He was like, I live with you. I can fix it. <laughs> oh, Wait, okay. I live in Excel and I don't like, I'm a data analyst. Ooh, it makes me cringe mm. saying that. Mm. No, not, not. There's nothing not fancy about it. It's not your fault. It's, I know. It's a side. Bills, man. Yeah, it's, it's your day job so you can do this. your second occupation, which is this. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Um, night career. Yeah. This, this is our night career. This is, if I could talk about mental health all day long, I would. And that's my goal. You should. You should um, do that at work. If I could, I would. I mean, I can't be a therapist. No one should have me as their therapist. Someone asked me once, they were like, No therapist. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, what? You're good. No, did someone ask you to be their therapist? No, 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 not be their therapist. Oh, okay, okay. Someone okay. asked, when I was saying I wanted to work in mental health, they're like, Oh, you want to be a therapist? And I was like, no, 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 no. Because I would take everything home with me. I oh, would feel yeah. all oh, the emotions. Yeah. And then I would need like six therapists myself. <laughs> um, to be fair, I think all that's a part of therapy school. Because I think that's natural. If you care enough to even want to be a therapist in the beginning, you, you probably have to, you have to learn how to not go freaking nuts. Yeah, set those boundaries. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Um all right, I'm going to jump back into questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is not something I've shared on the podcast, but I'm going to bring it up because I want to bring it into a question. I, um, my, this is making me anxious to say this. I myself, I have had, uh, I've questioned my gender identity for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pr- pretty sure I'm, 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 she, her works for me, but I, I bounce, back, bounce back and forth a lot bounce back and forth a lot jesus um Mm -hmm. but it has caused me a lot of stress anxiety and fear and just like constant spinning thoughts um did for you finding your gender identity did it cause stress anxiety and fear or and do you feel better now that you can be your true self yeah so i think um i think that i've probably known for at least 10 years, if not more, um, I, I had the language probably by age like 17, 18, 19 mm. in terms of like, yeah, all, all genders and like different pronouns being an option. And, you know, that was all available to me. Um, I think I hesitated for a few reasons. I think one safety, I mean, quite literally for, for some of the reasons I described earlier, I felt very much like I had to be undeniable to a lot of people, not something complicated, not something that folks could argue with or against. Um, so it's easy to be like, sure, see me as see me as like a perfect package, perfect version of something that you are interested in supporting, helping, being around, et cetera, um, and introducing yourself by pronouns that maybe people find difficult to use. Um, w- it would have potentially been a barrier for me. So it felt like for safety, I couldn't do that. Um, I think, too, I've struggled with just kind of the gatekeepy part of queer communities and feeling like because, um, again, relatively speaking, I, I can be pretty high femme. I felt as though I wouldn't be accepted, um, legitimized 
by the queer community, which has not been my experience at all. Like, not at all, um, which is pretty cool. And I mean, you know, there's been like maybe maybe like a person here or there uh, who's done some of the classic stuff you expect. Like, oh, you haven't been out that long. Oh, you haven't been, you know, it's like, when does your card come in the mail type of, right. But I, I think again, <laughs> with my, with my um, mental health being where it is, it's so much easier for me to see those reactions, of course, as like a reflection of what someone else is going through and not meaningfully true about me. Um, and there are some things it's like, of course, I don't face when I think about like trans women, for instance, and how often the violence against them that affects their life expectancy has to do with men feeling quote unquote tricked. Mm. And it's like, sure, you can call me trans non-binary, but that's not a situation I'll ever be in. Like a, the worst that's going to happen to me in those situations um, is going to be like, someone's just like, I don't believe you. I won't use the words you want me to use about you. Right. I'm not going to be treated to the same sort of response. So the experience is different. And I think I, um, was invalidating myself based on fears that other people would invalidate me. But lastly, I mean, the biggest thing for me, you, you know, this from coming out in some ways it's, it never stops. There's coming out in concentric circles. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like, I had been out to a few friends for years who were, Maybe I had one conversation with them and they're like, I'm going to try calling you they, them. Are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah. So I had my friends like Dana and Damien for years. They just individually called me that and it did always feel better. It felt right. Um, then it was kind of the comedy community <laughs> that found out next because of my jokes. And then finally, it was honestly, once my former boss left, because I knew he couldn't handle it, that I decided to come out at work. And that was sort of the last place putting pronouns on LinkedIn was like the final friggin' frontier. <laughs> um, so, so what I struggled with and finally made the choice about was realizing, you know, it's so much easier to be unseen or, you know, mis misgendered specifically when you haven't asked somebody to do it better. Like it's very easy to hear that, to be treated that way and tell yourself like, well, they don't know better. I've never asked anything from them. But once you've actually put it out there, once you've actually asked people to do certain things for you and then they don't, um, usually, of course, unintentionally, absentmindedly, that does hurt more. It mm. absolutely is is now in the air, too, where like you might be in a conversation where someone knows that this person just disrespected you again, probably unintentionally. You can't hide. You can't not deal with it. Um, and what I just had to get to the point of was realizing that the trade-off was worth it for all the moments that I now am seen and held and described and referred to correctly. It's worth it for all the times that it's impossible to hide when it's not happening right. Um, so I wasn't ready for a long time for it to be a daily element of my life. And then I was because I went to therapy. <laughs> A huge part of it. <laughs> it's all freaking connected. Um, yeah, it set me up. It set me up to be able to to cope with the times I I wasn't getting, quote unquote, what I needed. Um, but I also think. Sorry, last thing I'll say. No, I also think it's away. sort of. Yeah, it's sort of. Um, it's just invited so much more opportunity, and community than I foresaw. Like not only with people who I, who I meet or who like other comedians have started coming out, just saying in the Bay area, <laughs> we've had a few folks come out 
Because what, okay, my opener, again, it's so stupid. But what I say is like, I'm a non-binary person. Is anyone else here cool? Which is, I of course. <laughs> that was good. She showed it to me earlier and I was like, wait, what? I love it. So again, so again it's not, that's not what I think and believe. I mean, it is cool, but it's again, more of a reflection on how, especially straight cis people view it, right? So it's me cutting to the, ch- if you're not buying this shit, it's me calling you out immediately. So that, again, you keep listening to me is incredible. It's just stupid. It's just being silly, but. A couple of comedians have said, like, in those moments is when they've sort of felt like they wanted to answer yes, and then they came out, which is not, nothing I could have planned for. No, right? I, I know, that. right? Isn't, isn't that cool? And so, I don't know. There's more. There's a couple more out there, um, at least in the Bay Area. But, um, yeah, yeah, I've been embraced way more by, by folks who identify kind of with me with my material and I will never get over getting like a random follower who's like a 15 year old in Nebraska who's like a yeah a queer kid who's like maybe only out online maybe has like this separate profile you know this is me kind of speculating but that's what it seems like and you know I didn't have that did not have that representation it's the classic story you want to be the the symbol or the or the icon that you wish you had when you were younger and it's it's not what I set out to do, but it's absolutely something that has ended up happening. And I just think I'll never get over that. Like no matter what happens in my career or whatever, that will always be pretty, pretty priceless. That was beautiful. That's yeah. cool. I <laughs> no words. <laughs> no words because it's it is it's just awesome. Cool. Um, and like going back to your question of us of why we do this, it's to make people mm-hmm. feel less alone. And I think that joke you start off right away. Someone in the room is feeling less alone. Isn't that cool? That's, That's cool. badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. No, thanks for saying that. I think to yeah, it was it's kind of a test for myself just to kind of prove that my worst fears are absolutely survivable. Like what if I do just say all this? What if I do just do all this and give people the opportunity to whatever disrespect me and then watch myself like survive being disrespected or misgendered. Mm. watch how I don't have to internalize that or again take it as information about me like that's something I don't think I never thought I could deal with that that was my worst fear and now my worst fear happens every day and I'm fine therapy Crazy. it's a miracle true and um Lexapro 50 milligrams I cut my pills <laughs> meds I will forever be the biggest fan of meds Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for like sharing your experience and your story and answering this random person's DM. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Joining us here. I loved it. Um, no, thank y'all. I'm so glad you're doing this. Is We're there, doing... is there anything that you want to talk about? Want to promote? Want to throw out there for our listeners? Oh, shit. Okay. Um, yeah. If you're in the Bay Area <laughs> or you ever visit, um, I have a weekly Tuesday show in a parking lot behind a taco shop. It will change your life. Um, Sounds I fantastic. run it with my friends, Jeff and Jordan. They're, you know, they are cishet men, but they're different. They're, or whatever. They listen to me. They just let me do whatever I want. Um, we have drag performers on sometimes. Um, Why is this across yeah, it's, the country? It's really fun. I know. I wish we could. Come I know. Out. You can't just come out. Just come out. Um, okay, I also it. run the 
the show that we uh, mentioned earlier uh, that raises money for, for mental health. Um, that's at the store planter day in Oakland, which you should go to anyway. We modeled our donation, um, our donation practices after theirs. So I'll just say this about the owners. Um, they work in mental health crisis services as like a day job before they started this plant shop. So they donate money every month to yeah the Alameda crisis support center. That's who we donate to. And that's called toxic thoughts spelled T H O T S. Um, it's a little play on words because <laughs> me and my friend Danny, Danny Ramos, who I'm actually I'm not gonna start running. He's moving to Mexico to be happy or something. Whatever. Um, I'm gonna start running it with <laughs> my friend Dylan McKeever, who's also so funny. Um, she's another yeah another queer comic. Uh, it's a play on words, obviously the mental health aspect of it, and then just calling ourselves thoughts because we're kind of toxic hoes. So I love it. Um, that's Every second Monday. And then I run pop-up shows with Don't Tell Comedy in the East Bay, but we literally don't announce that. So you'd have to just check my website if you want to go to one of those. Um, I don't know. I'll be in L.A. in two weeks. If you're in L.A., I'll be doing some shows. From the where to where can people find you online? On the internet. I am Hey Beacon on all platforms. H-A-Y. Last name. Beacon, not bacon. Uh, beacon like the friggin' lighthouse. <laughs> Like a friggin' symbol of hope. That's me. It's not my real name. Uh, but that is what I perform under. <laughs> my real last name's crazy. So that's what we're doing. Hey. Yeah. Real <laughs> crazy last names. That's how we roll. Oh, I want, I'll go and tell yeah. that after. Um, but thank you so much. And we'll tag you. Um, we're going to do a little outro. Don't go anywhere. Oh, wait. I won't. I have a question. We do songs of the episodes. Yes. Do you have a song? You don't have to. (sighs) I've been listening to... Wait, do you play it as the outro music? No, we can't. Um, Legal legal issues. Yeah, so we um, will post it. You say it, and then we'll post it on Instagram. Oh, my God. Okay, I've been obsessed with literally the first song on the SZA album, SOS. It's like a minute and eight seconds. So I think people skip it. They're like, this is not a real song. But if you listen to it, it's incredible. SOS, the song on the album, SOS. She's just like a good way to start your day yelling and mad. It's perfect. Love that. that. She's that a Scorpio. Fantastic. It's really just music music for Scorpios. That's what SZA <laughs> is. She's but, so smart. Um. I do I do love a few of her songs. I haven't listened to the whole album, but I will. Yeah, me either. Um, but thank you for joining us. Okay. Yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at livelaughlorazepam and slide into our DMs to share your story or provide feedback. Make sure you subscribe. Call or text 988 988- the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline for free and confidential support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress.